This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey, guys. Here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Well, first, thank you to our patrons on Patreon. We are so thankful for you guys. You are an encouragement and a financial help, which really helps. (laughs) Um, If you want to find out more about that, go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Right From The Deep. And our May patron sponsor of the month is Wendy L. McDonald. So a special thanks to her. Wendy is a writer, a poet, a podcaster, a photographer, and a nature lover. If you want to get to know her and see some of her work, check out her website at wendylmcdonald.com. And I am excited to say that I'm going to be at the Florida Christian Writers Conference. That's in October, but I'm pretty sure registration is already open. That's October 19th through 23rd, 2022. So I'm excited. You guys can find out more information about that. We'll have a link in the show notes, but you can go to word-weavers.com and then the forward slash Florida events. And it is my turn to talk about a wonder. And as we are recording this, it's spring-ish over at my house. (laughs) And what's really fun about spring is that I see birds migrating. And, you know, they come through my backyard and I see cool, fun things that I don't normally see. But I started thinking about that. I'm like, how do they know where to go? (laughs) How do they do this every year? And so I was doing just a little bit of research. And guess what? Like the sun and the stars and the earth's magnetic field and even the sunset position and sometimes even landmarks in the daytime and sometimes even their sense of smell can all be used to guide them. I think that's phenomenal. I think that's amazing. I even ran across this quote on a website called All About Birds and it said, first year birds often make their very first migration on their own. Somehow they can find their winter home despite never having seen it before and return the following spring to where they were born. Okay, guys, that's amazing to me. That's a wonder to me. God designs this amazing, miraculous stuff. And it's it's a mystery, really, but there he is, God, planting evidence of who he is, a purposeful creator, an imaginative God who's doing this. This is cool to me. Embrace that your God has written you these little messages of his existence in the complexity of the creation all around you and, and his His evidence of his sovereign care over all creation. And know, you guys, know that that extends to you. To me, that's a wonder. And now, here's the show. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to the deep with us. We're excited because we have a guest and I'm super excited about the topic. And I'm going to let Karen introduce our guest. Our guest is the amazing Trisha Goyer. I mean, There are some people who use amazing for everything, but when you use that word for Trisha, 
it's true. She's been married to her husband, John, for 28 years, and they have, are you sitting down? 10 children officially, <laughs> plus two more bonus daughters who totally count as their kids. She has started a Hope Pregnancy Center in Kalispell, Montana, led a teen mom support group since 2002, and God has opened the doors for her to publish 70 plus books and 500 plus articles. We we call her, she's a part of the same brainstorming group that I'm a part of. We meet once a year and we call her the Energizer Bunny. She just <laughs> does not stop. <laughs> she's also had the privilege to speak all over the United States and internationally. And on top of all that, she homeschools their kids. She's been homeschooling for 25 years and still has another 10 years to go. That just boggles my mind and she's she's such a a joyful happy person even on top of all of that i love this quote from her website i dared to say to god if you can do anything with my life please do i'm amazed what god's done i know where i was headed to destruction and a life of pain and shame yet god has turned everything around for his good mm. and that's what we're here to talk about today how god turns everything around for his good and for our good so Tricia, thank you. Thank you for being with us and welcome. Oh, thank you, Erin and Karen. It's so great to be here. I love connecting with you and I think you guys are awesome too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And we are delighted for you to be here. And so our first question, as usual, is what does the deep mean to you? Well, the deep means really going deep into God's love. And as someone who grew up not understanding God's love, I didn't have a biological dad around. My stepdad was very distant. It has taken me a long time to understand, to truly understand the love of God. And so now that I totally understand his love, I just feel like I can just climb up in his lap and be in his embrace. That is the deep to me. That is just um, realizing that his love will never leave me and that he is always with me. Mm. I like that. So we're here to talk to Trisha today about having a happy heart. She's just recently had a book release called Heart Happy, and we'll have a, a link to that in the show notes. But I started reading it, and I'm pretty sure that Aaron started reading it, and it's it's pretty remarkable. It's funny, when you think of happy people, you look at them and you think they've never known a difficult day in their lives but that's just not true. So, Trisha, why might writers struggle to be happy in the Lord? Well, I think sometimes we just don't understand what happy is. I think sometimes we think happy is everything has to be going right in our world, and happy is that we have a great day, and I've lost 10 pounds, and my <laughs> jeans fit better, and all those things is what we tie our happiness to. But actually, Happy and blessed are words that can be both used in the same scripture verses. So, you know, those verses that, you know, blesses the one who fill in the blank, it can be also translated happy. Mm. And that isn't blessed like, again, blessed I have a new SUV. It is going back to God's word saying walking the right path. So that word blessed and happy is translated from the word esher, which means walking on the right path. So when we are in the God's will, when we are walking on his path, that is where we find our happiness and bless. And we all know God's path isn't perfect, that we don't have everyday sunshine and birds singing out the window. But if we know we have God, 
we can lean on him, we can depend on him, when we can seek him for our strength, that is where we get that inner happiness that only comes with communion with him. Hmm. Wow. So, there's a lot in the Bible about joy, and tell me what you see then as the difference between being joyful and being happy. That is such a good question. I think joy... Um, is that outward expression of, um, you know, we, we have the self-control, we have the faithfulness, and the joy is the outward expression of what God is doing in our lives. And I see happy more is a more deep-rooted things deep in our soul. When we are happy in the Lord, it's more like a contentment, mm-hmm. um, a settling in God's, like settling our heart with God's heart. Um, you know, joy, we can be joyful and rejoice, and it's Having joy, that outward expression, but happy is more the inward expression and the inward um, just being connected with God. That's super interesting. I like that distinction. I, re- I do too. I really like that. I'm thinking too for writers like both of those, joyful and happiness. You know, I think mm-hmm. that writers can struggle with happiness. They can struggle with joy. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult journey, or can be. So what? why do you think it's important for writers to be happy? I mean, what happens if we're not happy? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think going back to what does it mean to be happy and what happens when we're not happy, there are times when we are going to feel unsettled. There are times when we're going to have a whole list of chaos in our life. There's going to be all the external things, but it goes back to the happiness in the Lord. And where I got this quote from, or the, the term heart happy was from George Mueller. Now, George Mueller was someone who lived 150 years ago, and he cared for orphans. He also journaled everything that was going on in his life. He had lists and lists of prayer requests, and he always took his needs before God, that God would provide for him. So even though he was caring for thousands of orphans at a time, he never requested money. He knew that the Lord would provide. And George Mueller says before he would get up in his day, before he did anything else, he would read scripture, he would pray, and he would get his heart happy in the Lord. And it just makes me realize like that's been a routine in my life for many, many years. Um, I mean, for decades, no matter what's going on, we've added kids um, through biologically, we've had added kids through adoption in our home. There's been a lot of trauma. There's been a lot of chaos. Right. And every day I jump out of bed because I need Jesus so much. I need to be in God's word. I read scripture and then ask God, what do you have for me? And there might be a lot going on in my life, but if I can center my heart in the Lord. And so I really, I think if we are struggling, which all of us do with not feeling happy, we need to go back to where the source is from. We need to go back to God. We need to go back to his word. And it's not like the circumstances always change, but my heart changes in the middle of the circumstances where I I can step back and say, you are in control, you know what's going on, you love me completely, you have a good plan for my life, you have a good plan for these circumstances, and then I can go on with my day better able to handle whether it's trying to meet a writing, writing deadline, trying to deal with kids from trauma, trying to homeschool my children, whatever it is, that happiness must come from that time with the Lord first, and that makes all the difference in our day. I think that's an excellent point that too many of us tie happiness, quote marks around happiness, 
to our circumstances. And how can mm-hmm. I be happy when this is happening and this is happening and I'm suffering this and I've just had a loss and, you know, I'm sick all the time and blah, blah, blah. How am I supposed to be happy in the face of this? And that's because we're looking at it through human finite eyes mm-hmm. rather than going back to scripture and understanding that circumstances don't have anything to do with it. I love what C.S. Lewis said once, and I can never remember the exact quote, but it's along the lines of, I don't pray to change God's mind. I pray to gain God's heart. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have to recognize that In many ways, happiness has very little to do with us specifically. It has very little to do with what's going on in our lives. It completely has to do with whether we are content in God, as you have said. Yeah, the other thing that I noticed too, though, Trisha, when you were talking about that, you know, we have to go back. God loves me. God knows what he's doing. God is, you know, you were preaching to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. faith comes from hearing and hearing Absolutely. through the word of Christ. And you were preaching your, to yourself from God's word so that your faith can grow, so that the Holy Spirit can work on you. Because I was thinking, I'm like, well, what are the steps, you know, to being happy? What about the person who's really struggling? But you you exactly gave us the formula, so to speak. You know, it's going to God, looking at His Word, and preaching to yourself, and understanding and knowing those promises. Guys, for you out there that just, you know, today is a rough day, and you're struggling with this, go back to just the one thing you know for sure about God, and preach it to yourself, because the Holy Spirit will work through that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I have a good example of that. When we were doing trauma therapy with my little guy that we adopted, he was almost three years old and we had no relationship because we got him when he was almost three. He'd been moved around in foster care and he was destructive. So my whole life was just of having him was just don't do that. Stop doing that. Put that down. Why won't you do this? I mean, trying to get him to obey me. And so we go to trauma therapy and I'm thinking it's going to like teach me how to discipline him. And she says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get some special toys and spend five minutes a day with Casey. And I it's completely, your complete focus is on him. And I want you to see what he's doing, to state what he's doing, repeat what he says and to praise him. And so I would say, okay, Casey, you are lining up your cars. You are handing mommy a car. Good job, Casey, for sharing your car with mommy. And then he would say, mommy car, mommy car. You gave mommy a car. And that relationship was built. It wasn't about getting him to obey. It wasn't about the obedience. The relationship was built as I was connecting with him. I was seeing him. I was repeating him. He came to trust me and I came to appreciate him. And I realized one day as I'm going to God's word, I'm like, that's what I'm doing. I am seeing what God's doing like in your word, God, you say that you are faithful. And, um, you know, you say you can pull us out from the miry pit. I see your faithfulness, God. I praise you for your faithfulness. And that just like I was building that relationship with Casey, I can do that with God every day of my life when I see what he's doing, when I repeat what he says, and when I praise him. And that has just become something that I've done in my life. And it came from trauma therapy with a little <laughs> two-year-old little guy. Wow, that is very cool. But I think that's such a good description of how we can build a relationship with God. I think that's amazing. So how how is Casey doing these days? 
He is doing awesome. So he's 11 now, and wow. he is such a mama's boy. Um, still at 11, I'll be sitting on the couch. He'll just climb up and wrap his big arms and legs around me <laughs> and just want to be have a hug with me, you know, just the years of the time together. And I, we love reading together so every night. I go up to his room. We're actually reading through the Little House on the Prairie series. Aww. And he just thinks it's cool that mom's there reading to him. I get to pick the books. <laughs> That's what we're reading. <laughs> but we have a wonderful relationship now. But it comes to, instead of me just saying, you're not doing this right and you're not doing that right, which I think sometimes we do with God. Yeah. Like, how come you're not doing this? And how come you're not doing that right? And things were supposed to be turn out differently. I was supposed to have 10 books published by now and this isn't working right or whatever it is. We're, we're pointing out what God's doing wrong. Instead, we just need to commune with Him and build that relationship with Him. And I wonder if sometimes we're worried that God is just pointing out things we're doing wrong and He's mm-hmm. not. You know, He's looking at us. He's doing the same thing, going, wow, Aaron, you're looking at me. Good job, Aaron. <laughs> you know? One of the, one of the yeah. things that we wanted to talk about was how shame interferes with happiness. And I think shame and false guilt both do that. And when we think that we're hearing God criticize us and that that's all that we're getting from God is input, that's not input from the Lord. Mm-hmm. God doesn't work with us that way. He works the way that you did with your little boy. He draws us in love and he tells us how much he loves us and why he loves us. So how do things like shame and false guilt interfere with that heart happiness? Yeah, well, I talk about this in the book because for many years, even after I accepted Christ, I felt shame because I chose to have an abortion at 15. I listened to the wrong voices. I was trying to escape what I thought was a problem, and I made a very bad decision. And for years, even after I became a Christian, it was like, God loves me except for this. God mm. forgives me except for this. I can't forgive yeah. myself except for this. And it was really going through a post-abortion Bible study that I realized, like, if I'm saying God can't forgive me for this or his love doesn't go this far, then I, I, none of it counts. Like I had, either have to accept all of it or none of it. And so I, I, I started really walking out in that love, but it has been even over time. I'm very much a, a people pleaser. I want to make everyone happy. I want to turn in the book right on time and have it be perfect. I mean, all those things go back to that trying to please other people and trying to please God. And it really came after I ended up adopting all these kids. I I had to ask for extensions on a couple of book deadlines. My house is messy all the time. Um, And I just remember one day in the laundry room, just crying, like, I can't do this. It's too much. (laughs) And it was like God was finally saying, finally. Like, you've finally gotten to the place where you need me. Because I think I was working so hard to try to please him and make him happy. And I felt the, the gentlest whisper was, I love you just as much. I love you just as much if if you miss your deadline, which I try not to miss my deadline, but <laughs> I love you just as much as if there's a pile of laundry, which currently there's laundry in my laundry room. Like I just had to get to that place. And that's why the deep to me is God's love, realizing like we don't have to perform to get to God's love. We will never be perfect. And I try really hard to be perfect. And God's like, will you stop? Will you yeah. stop? I love <laughs> you just as you are. Wow. I think that's interesting because sometimes we as writers feel like our writing is our performance, you know, that that's where we're gaining our Mm -hmm. value or our worth. And 
it's not. <laughs> it's just not. And that's dangerous because then that, that leads you to look to other measuring sticks, to sales, and to how much marketing money you get. And that person's on the bestseller list, and I'm not. And why why aren't I on the bestseller list? That person started writing five years after I did, and, and they've sold a gajillion books, and I've sold 32, you know. And so we fall into comparison, and we fall into looking at the wrong measuring sticks of our mm-hmm. worth. And and so then we start asking ourselves, did God really call me to write? And we start getting into this downward spiral. Absolutely delights the enemy. He's so happy when he can mm-hmm. sidetrack us and take us down into that dark hole of depression and shame and false guilt. It's just, it's dangerous. And we just need to treat it like a rattlesnake and stay as far away from that as we can. Yeah, and I think it's so important. I love what you were saying, Karen, about comparing with others. Because once we start writing, I mean, there's Amazon ratings and bestsellers lists and all those things. And I remember I have a sweet friend who I I took to her very first conference. I introduced her around. She got my agent. You know, I introduced my agent. She signed with my agent. And her book hit the bestsellers list and stayed there for a very, very, very long time. And I'm like... (laughs) What? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> she's one, her one book has sold all, I had, think I had like 13 or 14 books at the time. Like, her one book has sold way more than mine. And I just felt God saying, I have a plan for you. Yeah. And it's a different plan than my plan for her. And would you have written all these other books if you just had one that really hit it big? I'd be like, no, I'd be like sitting back going, <laughs> great. I'm just writing more of that subject. But he's like, I have a plan for you. I need you to write this and I need you to write that. And he, the sales are enough to keep going, but we always try to compare. And God's like, look at me, <laughs> lift your yes. eyes. And that's why my morning time is so important. It just turns my eyes to God instead of all those other things and all those other thoughts that are swirling around in our minds. I read a challenge on Facebook of all places where it said, first thing in the morning, reach for the Bible, not the screen. And and it was urging people, don't get on your phone, don't get on your tablet, don't get on anything like that. Get get into scripture and reach for that first and then go to the screen if you need to. Absolutely. So what I like also about your book is just the subtitle. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> Staying centered in God's love through chaotic circumstances. I'm pretty sure that from what we've heard of you today, you've lived through chaotic circumstances. What do you think is the biggest challenge for writers in chaotic circumstances to stay centered on God's love? What do you think is the biggest challenge there, and how how can they overcome that? When we think of chaos, we think of the whirlwind, and we think of the tornado, when we think of all these things swirling around us. And I think the biggest challenge is to think that we can let those things overwhelm us and that it's an excuse for not doing what God God called us to do. Mm. And I think with me, God put these book ideas in my life. He put, um, you know, I've had book contracts and it could have been easy for me to say, I'm dealing with kids and trauma right now. I cannot do, do this. But instead, I said, you know what? There's trauma going on. We are working on the trauma, but for the next hour, I'm going to work on the message God gave me for other people. And sometimes those messages have included, I wrote a book called Calming Angry Kids, Mm -hmm. which talks about how to help kids that are angry and in trauma. I worked on, you know, books that deal with those sorts of things, but sometimes I'm working on novels and I'm just pouring 
through you know my emotions into the characters <laughs> because God gave me a message and he gave me the ability to write this. And, and we can just stop back and say, there's too much going on. I can't do this. But I've seen God's faithfulness over and over again when I say, okay, I only have an hour today and I really am tired right now, but I really feel that this is something you've called me to write. And I still sit in the chair, and I still <laughs> put my fingers on the keyboard, and I still work on it. And it's amazing. I've had books. I wrote um, in the middle of the biggest, biggest chaos when we had a teen that was really acting out. I was writing um, the novel. Um, it's called The Elder Sister about Miriam. And I was in the middle of it. I was digging into the Bible and writing about Miriam and Moses and Aaron and you know, learning about culture and all those things. And there'd be sometimes screaming in the other room with this teen as I'm sitting there working on this book. And after I went back and read it, I'm like, how did this even, it hardly had, it was probably my least edited book. It, <laughs> it just was God, it was God's hand on it because mm-hmm. he knew I was trying to be faithful in the midst of the chaos. And that is such a meaningful book to me because I know what was going on around it. And then to hear about the grumbling and all the things with the Israelites. I mean, those emotions are there inside the book because they were there inside my home. And so it's no coincidence that that was going on and I'm trying to write this story. And so really I was crying as I was writing and pouring into this character of Miriam because it was the things, some of the things she faced were similar to the chaos happening in my life. And so I think instead of saying, I can't do it, I don't have time. I'm just going to put this writing thing to the side. Realize that through it, whatever's going on, it it can channel into your work too. And God has a purpose for it. Mm, I love that. I do too. I love how he takes each of us and he shows us what he wants us to do. And we just have to be obedient. And sometimes that's Mm -hmm. people like you, Trisha, who are able to keep going even with the screaming in the next room. But if you're the kind of person that needs to just kind of turtle and and stay mm-hmm. away from everything for a little while, God's okay with that because he works with us as yeah. we are. He created us. He yeah. knows exactly what we need and what we're able to do. And I love that that book is special to you because you know that in your weakness, he was shown strong. You mm-hmm. have testimony out there all over the bookshelves of how <laughs> God has been faithful to you and how God has been faithful to you being faithful. And I, I really love that. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of our time. Do you have um, some final words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I would just say, I mean, I think all of us are going to have some level of chaos in our lives. I, I doubt there's very few people out there that say, oh, my life is perfectly happy and there's nothing going on. So we're all going to have some type of chaos. I think definitely leaning into God and then reaching out to others for support. Um, Karen mentioned our group earlier and just I would just pour out my prayer request to them and just have other people around you seeking prayer. I think it can be dangerous when we become isolated and when yes. we don't share our needs and we don't share our requests. And so just ask other people to pray for you um, during those times. And I, I know some of the prayers that they wrote back to me were exactly what I needed to hear in that moment, mm. the encouragement to keep going. Um, and so whatever chaotic circumstances, just know that God's there for you and um, other people can be there for you, but you just have to open your heart to to both. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I think that that sums this time up very well. So let's just say amen, Trisha. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time. 
Embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.